Gosh, it's very bright, isn't it, when you stand here? It's kind of like... um... <laughs> Thank you. Um... So I'm Angus. Um, I mean, it's a funny thing, actually, because uh, some people here I've uh, known for a long time, um, but uh, I was invited to introduce myself, so... Um... Uh, I have no idea what to say, really. I mean, I, mean, I, um, I was, I joined OCC as a student, uh, came to faith uh, in my first OCC meeting, and um, uh, that was an amazing experience uh, for me. Very surprising for me what God, what God did, and just encountering God in that way, and um, uh, got married. Um, in Oxford, um, and uh, so uh, Steve Thomas preached at my uh, at our wedding, and uh, Bryn it was in Hartford College Chapel. Bryn Franklin um, stood up and brought a, a prophetic word, which everyone was very surprised about. <laughs> uh, it was great. And um, what else? I, I was in it. We were in Italy for a bit. You'll see a bit about that. We were in Turkey for ten years. I'll talk about that a little bit, and um, is that okay? Well, that kind of do, it was a slightly kind of rambling thing, but um, uh, okay, so uh, off, off we go, and I need to try and do the clicker, and I'm awful at multitasking, I'm about the worst multitasker in the world, so, and um, if you ever come to dinner at our house, just don't talk, if I'm cooking, just don't talk to me <laughs> until the food's ready, because it will, otherwise it will be disastrous, it's in everybody's interest for me to just be completely focused. Um, so I'm talking about planning an extension, and uh, this is my sister, this is a recent uh, photograph of my sister Juliet, and um, as you can see, they've got the builders in. And they're not just planning an extension, they are building an extension, or they're getting a building um, done. Who, who's done that kind of thing here? Who's, who's had the builders in? Uh, what was it like? Pete? Oh, you're a bit, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. What was it like? Messy. <laughs> you left. Was it worth it? It was, why, why was it worth it? You know, okay. All right. Um, Richard, you said you got something done as well. It was worth it in the end. Okay, I'm glad you said that, actually. Um, so, Juliet here, she's got a slightly kind of worried look. She's, you know, she's smiling, but there's a little bit of anxiety that you can see coming through there. There's, there's mess, there's chaos. She's got boxes, you know, filling up one of her rooms. And uh, she and Nathaniel are thinking, why, why, oh, why did we ever start this extension? Uh, why did we do it? You know, there's, because there's mess and there's, and there's builders and there's like, you know, Radio 2 playing very loud. That's probably the worst thing. And, um, and so why, why do we do these things? Why do we, uh, why do we, uh, plan an extension, why do we get an extension done? Well, uh, I think it's because the life that's in our families 
just can't be contained by the space that we've got, by our four walls. You know, we want to break out because there's too much life in our family for that space. We want to break out. Uh, So you can see where I'm going. Uh, We're going to be looking at Acts Acts chapter 6, and I'm going to, let's read that together now. Acts chapter 6. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also um, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem, increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So I'm going to suggest to you that uh, this passage um, follows this kind of pattern, that uh, we have a numerical growth at the start, right? In those days uh, when the number of Disciples was increasing, so there's numerical, great, uh, there's numerical growth at the start, and then there's an internal problem. Um, the, the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Uh, and then uh, the leaders intervene, uh, that's a solution, so we've got a problem a solution, and uh, then there's internal peace and, and growth. There's growth of the, the leadership of the fellowship, and there's peace. You know, that the, the proposal pleased the whole group, and that leads in turn again to numerical growth. The word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So first I want to talk about um, context. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, why was the number of disciples increasing? Well, because chapter 5 Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, 
So, so they were unstoppable in proclaiming the good news. And the church was growing. Church growth in Jerusalem in the first century, church growth in Britain in the present day. We know that, uh, that mainline churches are declining. But a recent report has shown that at the same time as uh, there is a decline in church membership, there's also a significant church growth in Britain over the last three decades. And there are three points here. Number one, about half a million Christians in black majority churches in Britain, whereas 60 years ago, there were practically none. Half a million. The Diocese of London, that's the largest Anglican diocese in the country, has grown by over 70% since 1990. And there have probably been about 5,000 new churches started in Britain since 1980. So you see that um, it's possible to see uh, not just kind of moderate church growth in Britain in the present day, but explosive church growth. And that's, that's what I want to see, and I'm sure that's what you want to see as well. Now, um, this next sec- section, I, I got up early this morning to write this bit, and it, and it was because... Elizabeth said to me last night, she said, Angus, are you going to tell people what they already know, which is uh, that they should do evangelism, and are you going to make them feel guiltier than they already feel about the subject of evangelism? So she said, please don't do, please don't do that. So, this, so Elizabeth is responsible for this next section. Okay, so... <laughs> If, if you like it, then yeah, thank Elizabeth. But what I tried to do was I, I tried to, you know, people are motivated in different ways, and, and I wanted to kind of try and appeal to the, the Elizabeths amongst you. And uh, I, I wanted to think about church growth uh, on an individual scale and to kind of break it down and think, you know, what does that look like uh, on an individual level? And And I'm just... Uh, you, you can disagree if you like, but I, I'm suggesting to you that, um, that there are four components that I think are pretty useful. What do we need to be? Well, number one, I think we need to be a friend. You know, we need to, we need to find people outside the church to, to be friends to. And uh, that's, that's, that's a challenge for some of us. It's, uh, for me, having studied in a Christian college... Uh, having studied theology, and then uh, going on to to work in a Christian charity, I want to be honest for you, there's a challenge for me there. I need to develop um, networks, um, and I need to get to know more people outside the church. And I'm setting myself uh, a challenge. I want to see that that change over the next year for, for me, because I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. It's it's not good enough, and, and I am going to prioritize changing that. You can hold me accountable. 
next June you can come and ask me, you know, Angus, do you know more people outside the church uh, than you know uh, than you knew last year, and, I, and I'll, I'll welcome that challenge. Be yourself, right? What's it mean to be ourselves? Well, it means to be real. We're not we're not pretending that that we're other than than we have been. I, I just shared something that that's true of me. Uh, I think I, I've tried to be real with with you. When we're sharing who we are, uh, it, it's natural that we're going to share the gospel in doing that. Because I can't, I can't talk about myself without talking about Christ. And I think it's the same for, us, for you. For some people, that's the challenge. It's, it's about saying, you know, what will people think if I talk about Christ? And maybe that's the, maybe that's the challenge for you. Maybe it's about praying for, for breakthrough. Maybe you're doing these two things. But, it, but you just haven't seen that breakthrough. And, it, and it's about praying for God's power to break into people's lives. And then fourthly, it is about being faithful for the, for the long haul. Uh, it's about, it's about a perseverance and the love that doesn't give up. And so we'll have a time at the end to pray for each other about these things. We won't be praying at the front, we'll be praying in different groups. But we need to engage with people. Uh, We need to engage with these things and move on. So whichever stage you're at, be thinking now, which stage am I at? How do I need to move on? This is a, a friend of mine. This is somebody that I knew, uh, got to know when I lived in London. And um, it's just an example of, of these things happening really naturally. Um, I ran an alpha course. I got to know his mum. Uh, uh, through his mum, I got to know him. I got interested uh, in him. I kind of, I got to know him. You know, I got to know what he liked and what he didn't like about his football team. Just easy, easy stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, over time, he, he came to Christ. And there were other people involved in his life. It wasn't, it wasn't just me. Um, he came to Christ. He, he's had to overcome a number of different challenges. And he's, he's now married to a, to a lovely Christian girl. And it's just, it's just one of those things that... I don't know about, about you, but it, it's like, it's kind of like in my heart, I've got a catalogue of the things that God has, has done through me. I wish the catalogue was bigger than it is. Okay, but I've got, I've got a little catalogue there. And I think, you know, Craig is, is in my catalogue. And, and I look back on that and I'm just so grateful uh, that, that he came to Christ. And it, and it was partly through my friendship with him. It was just really, really easy stuff. Friendship, being a good friend, and sharing who you are, being, being real about yourself. Let's get back to the text. We've talked a bit about the context. We've talked about how 
the church was growing. That's the, the, the first point in context. The second point about context was that this was a multicultural church. Verse 1, uh, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. So we've got, so what's going on here? We've got Grecian Jews and Hebraic Jews. Well, who are these two groups? Well, the, the Grecian Jews uh, were basically Greek-speaking Jews. They attended Greek-speaking synagogues. The Hebraic Jews spoke Aramaic or Mishnaic Hebrew, and they attended synagogues where uh, the services were conducted in Hebrew. So you've, you've got two group, groups of, of Jews, and you've got them together. You've got them together in, in a multicultural church. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I would do at this point, but uh, everybody stand up at this point. And, and just take a look around. Take a look around. So the question is, do we see uh, a multicultural church which reflects the city of Oxford? Would we like to? We'd love to. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it? So take your seats again. Take your seats. Now, there's, there's a bit of a challenge there, isn't there? But this is an area where, you know, do we need to knock down a wall here, right? You, you notice that I said that I talked about half a million uh, Christians in uh, black majority churches uh, in, in Britain that, that weren't here 60 years ago. But more than that, what are, what are the, um, the racial and cultural groups that, that God would love us to, to reach out to? Where would God like us to break down a wall and build an extension, if you like? I'm just going to leave that with you. But are you, are you open to being used in cross-cultural evangelism? So that's part of the context. We have a growing church and we have a multicultural church. Um, and then we have, um, we have an internal problem, uh, which I'm going to describe as uh, a problem of stewardship and justice. Uh, so verse 1, the Grecian Jews complained because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. There was injustice in the congregation. And then verse 3, it says, we will turn this responsibility over to them. So what does that tell you? I'll tell you what it it tells me. It tells me that they saw um, that, that problem as the responsibility of the congregation. Is that... Would you agree with that? We, we don't know for sure. We don't know... We don't know if there was debate about this issue. We don't know that. But what we do know, Acts 4, there were no needy persons among them. And from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. There was a poor fund in the church in Jerusalem. 
They were caring for the poor. They were a radical Christian community. And, and um, I wanted to tell you about uh, a time that Elizabeth and I had living in a, a radical Christian community, a, a community where uh, people had everything in common. This was in our first year of marriage. And um, let me tell you the story. The, the story was that uh, in northern Italy there'd been an evangelistic crusade. And several brothers had come to Christ. And they just decided that, um, that this was for them and that they were going to sell everything, uh, have everything in common. Uh, and so they did. They, they bought this farm uh, in, near Rome. And uh, they, uh, so picture a central building with, with rooms for each of the, the families. And, uh, and I think uh, over that time, we were there for five months, and over that time, uh, I think I must have eaten more courgettes than I've ever eaten like before or since. It was, you know, courgettes for lunch and dinner. But um, they, they started to do uh, street evangelism, in a nearby town. And, and it was because of this same reason, that, that the life that was in them just had to break out. It, 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 was, it was uncontainable. It was an uncontainable life that had to break out and reach the community nearby. And what happened was um, they started to reach, um, they started to get to know and to, and to reach um, drug addicts. Um, so the, this is a younger version of myself. I don't know if you can recognize me. So I see that some of you couldn't. So, okay, you can't. So that's, so oh, you can see now. Yeah, yeah, it took a, it took a couple of, of minutes, but um, that's me with the beard, uh, the blue shirt the, over on the right there, and that's Elizabeth with the stripy thing. So uh, stripy shirt over the, You know what I'm talking about. So... Um, these are, so some of these are, are just friends and some of them uh, were uh, former drug addicts that we were living with and, and working with. And, um, you know, these, these lads, they were, pretty, they were pretty rough, actually. You know, so, you know, they would kind of tell stories and they would say things like, um, uh, you know, because they were from Rome, most of them, and they would say, you know, oh, the, the Trevi Fountain used to be a great place for us, you know, because we'd just kind of, sit there on the side and, the, and, and the, you know, these tourists would come along, you know, couples bless them, and they needed someone to take a photo of them right, so they'd say, you know would you take a photo, so they'd, they'd give them their nice kind of cameras <laughs> nice expensive cameras and so it would be like um, okay, let me just uh, take a step back okay, let, let me just hang on, let me just kind of get the angle right here, right and then what's going to happen next of course, they leg it off in the other direction with the uh, with the expensive camera, and the poor poor tourists are just sitting there on the on the uh, in front of the Trevi Fountain. So these these guys kind of you know they were kind of they were kind of penitent, but they also kind of thought that was quite funny at the same time. So you know what can you do? There is a there is a funny side to that. They would say, well, you know, the poor tourists they're still sitting there smiling. Um, <laughs> So any, anyway, they so they got to know these these uh, drug addicts, and um, they 
And, and what could they do? They wanted to help them, but they didn't have uh, lots of accommodation. They, it was really low budget. They'd sold everything they had, uh, but they wanted to help these people. So what they did was they, they Im- invited the, the first ones uh, into their own rooms. And so they had drug addicts sharing their children's bedrooms. Now, you, you know, you may think that's unwise, and I think I probably agree with you. you know, I think, I think that, but, you know, what, what can you say? It was one of those where I think that love had kind of trumped uh, wisdom. So I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm just describing it, really. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing community, and uh, I think it was uh, probably the place where I've seen the most kind of concentrated goodness of anywhere I've been in my life. Um, And there were several miracles. Um, uh, The first miracle was that uh, mothers would allow drug addicts to come and share their children's bedrooms, right? That's that's a pretty amazing miracle. Uh, Another miracle was that um, there was a guy who'd been HIV positive and had developed full-blown AIDS, and then, lo, lo and behold, he was HIV negative. Right? So, you know, God just did a sovereign miracle. And how kind of God to do that, you know? How kind? Because it, it was completely as a result of his own actions that he'd contracted AIDS, right? But God said, you know, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to give you a new life, um, it was so kind of God to do that. Uh, and the, the last miracle was, was to see the kind of the formation that took place in these drug addicts as uh, they worked hard with their hands, as they saw the fruit of their work, as they experienced a loving community, and as they saw that, that love um, demonstrated through the lives of these incredible uh, Italian Christians. Well, there's, there's an incredible power, isn't there, when we take community seriously and uh, when we think about the poor, the, when we think about um, those who need to see Christ's love. And, um, of course, there's, there's, a, there's a little miracle in our church as well, isn't there? In fact, the, well, there are two two little miracles that I particularly wanted to talk about. One is um, Edge, uh, and the other is City Lunch. And um, I really just wanted to celebrate these things. I think City Lunch has been running for about six years now. And um, I, think, I think that it's a sign of, um, I think it's a sign of uh, the kingdom amongst us that we've got a group that are really uh, caring for, for the poor. And, uh, and there, are, there are lots of volunteers that, that help with that. I just think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's, a, it, it's a, a miracle that I wanted to kind of... I thought it, w- it would just be good to celebrate it together, you know. Um, so this is a picture of Edge. Um, that was taken in uh, Vestras. I'm not sure of the pr- pronunciation. This is in Sweden. And um, they, Edge had uh, gone to see uh, prayer and social action projects in, uh, that the church was doing um, 
out there in Sweden. Um, Edge has been going for about three years. Uh, it does city lunch. It's done street work. It's developing a business. And it's developing a housing project. And that, that's amazing, isn't it? They really have an amazing vision. And, uh, you know, talk about, talk about planning and extension. I mean, that's really a, a huge vision. And, and I, just, I just think they're an awesome group. Uh, and I think, I think they'd welcome new members as well. So just think about whether God would, would have you join that group. I, th- I do really think, think they're amazing. We've talked about the context. Um, we've talked about the problem. Uh, now we're going to talk about the solution. Verse 3. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them. Two points. Firstly, the community leaders identified the solution. Uh, Point two, the leaders were not themselves the solution. Right, The solution was in delegation. There was was great wisdom there. Uh, Verse five, the proposal pleased the whole group. It was... It was a, a leadership intervention which, which brought peace and approval. So who were the 12? Well, um, I want to say two things about the 12. Uh, number one, they were community leaders, just like uh, as a community we have leaders. Uh, and number two, they were a unique group. It, this was a closed group um, because uh, in order to be part of the 12, you had to be an eyewitness to the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why there's a category of apostleship uh, which can't be re- replicated, right? Because these, this kind of apostleship uh, can't be repeated um, after that generation, Though there are other apostles which, as, as we know, uh, there's a, f- a function of apostleship that continues to the present day. Who were the seven? Uh, well, the seven names here are all Greek names. Uh, so Grecian Jews were chosen to serve that community's widows. And they were probably the leaders of that community. So the twelve delegated waiting on tables to the seven. In other words, what we have is we have a hierarchy of, uh, where, with pastoral ministry at the top and uh, kind of administration and all that at the bottom, right? <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Um, wrong. Uh, so the, the, the elders, the 12, retained overall leadership, right? Um, but there's a clue in the Greek word that's used for ministry. So a ministry to widows and uh, waiting on tables and the, the Greek word in verse 4, uh, the ministry of the word, uh, this is all the same word in, in Greek and I just think there's a, there's a clue there that uh, God gives m- many different kinds of, of gifts and 
And it's ministry to God which is vital. You know, all ministry is, is important, whether we're, whether we're preaching or uh, whether we are uh, serving at city lunch or whether, uh, whether we're helping with um, kids' work and, and children's work, young people's work. It's all important. It's all ministry. It's all ministry to God. I want to say something else about the seven. Stephen and Philip, right? We, we hear about them here. We hear about them in the context of waiting on tables. But that's, that's the last we hear about waiting on tables. What we do hear about uh, in the, the next section of Scripture is we hear about Stephen's defense of the faith, And after that, we hear about uh, Philip engaging in evangelism. So, you know, some churches see this this group of of seven as a kind of early diaconate, right? Well, okay, you know, if you if you want to, I don't really buy that. But if you want to, if you want to argue that, that's fine. But the point I want to say is that if they were deacons, they were deacons who. Um, had a heart for the extension of the church, right? That, that's what we see verses and verses talking about. They, they had a vision for this extension of the church, and they were passionate. They were passionate about evangelism. They were passionate about sharing their faith. And so what I want to say is, whatever your function here, we all must be involved in sharing our faith. It's absolutely key. And we we must get to the place where we're doing it and we're doing it effectively. So if you're you're a Bible teacher, fine. Uh, Take the teaching outside the church. If you're a prophet, fine. Make sure that you're sharing prophetic words with people outside the church. See what I mean? So we've done uh, really a lot of um, restructuring in this church and um, I wanted to, I actually wanted to really just honour um, the, the elders of OCC, uh, the creation of missional communities. There's, there's been more work done on restructuring this church in a, in a mission-shaped way than uh, in any other church that I've been a part of. Uh, I mean, without, by some margin. And I think that it's, I think that it's an amazing thing that's, that's happened. And I just think that um, the, the elders and the, the leaders have shown, uh, have shown real courage and commitment and guts to do that. We've done a lot of restructuring. It has been a bit messy from time to time, but it's going to be worth it. What remains? How can we get to the kind of church growth that we want to see? Well, uh, do you remember the verse uh, from, from chapter 5 where it says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. They were unstoppable, and we need to be unstoppable. In order to be unstoppable... Uh, we probably need to stop 
doing some of the other things that we're doing. Because I know that lots of us are really, really busy. Sometimes the, the good can be the enemy of the best. But can there be anything more important than seeing people come to Christ? I just, I just don't think there is. Right? I, I can't think of anything more important than seeing people, than being involved in, in changing people's eternal destiny. Let's, let's look at the result now. Uh, as we've seen, one of the results of the delegation was peace and concord. And this inner peace prepared the way for numerical growth. And isn't it interesting that it says a large number of priests became obedient to the faith? I mean, what's that got to do with people waiting on tables? I suppose I'm suggesting that, that uh, there was something within the community that needed fixing in order for God to bless them. Uh, and I, I've just found that often, often it's like that. Um, I think that, that often we, we take a step of obedience and, and how God uses that is quite different, actually. You know, we see, we see God doing something unexpected. But, uh, let me tell you for a, a moment about um, this friend of ours. Who's, so she's a Turkish friend. And um, we moved to a city in the east. We moved there because there was no church. We wanted to see a church established, uh, and we did. There's still a church there. Um, and uh, this is one of the people who came to faith um, over that time. And, uh, and it was just an amazing thing. There were, there were a number of teenage girls that came to Christ at that time. It was completely unexpected, completely unplanned for. None of us was a, t- a teenage girl, me least of all. Uh, uh, so we were very surprised and just delighted by what God did. And, and it was just a sovereign thing. And, and somehow, I think it was, you know, our, our faith in moving to that place somehow uh, opened the way for God's blessing. And I, I don't understand that, but, but that's just been my experience. I wanted to just, um, finally, I'm going to close soon, but I, w- I wanted to just say a final word about, about disappointment because it's possible that you've been uh, listening to what I've been saying. It's been difficult for you, perhaps because of, because of discouragement. Um, and I wanted to just say two things about that. Um, uh, the first thing is, is just really to give uh, an example of a friend of mine who... Um, he has, uh, he has a vision to inspire Christians to invite a million people to church. Uh, and I tell you what, he, the way he's going, uh, it's looking pretty good. You know, he, he is inspiring uh, churches and leaders to, to invite tens of thousands, uh, maybe more than that, uh, tens of thousands of people to church. And... Uh, and, and he said to me, he said, Angus, it's like this. You, you kind of build a ratio, right? So you invite someone, maybe they say no, right? So you just say, okay, that's one. You invite someone else, 
maybe they say no as well. Right? That's two. You invite someone else, they say yes. That's three. So, you, so it's three to one that you just chalk it up to experience. It's, it's a ratio. It's not, it's not about you. It's, it's, about, it's about Christ. I think, I, I do really think that we need to get to that place of, uh, of unstoppable enthusiasm for the gospel. We just chalk it up to experience. But the other thing is that, is that you know, being, being successful in the Christian life is, is not really about what, what we do. It's about who we are, right? You know this. I just wanted to say that, that like for me, and I think probably for you, to, n- not to be sharing my faith is just not who I am, right? I, w- I won't be that person. I won't be a person who is, who is not sharing my faith on a regular basis because it's part of who I am and it's part of who, it's part of who we are as a church. We cannot, we cannot let that happen because we'll have, left, we'll have let something drift out of the core of who we are. It doesn't matter about failure. We can, we can face many rejections and chalk them up to experience. But, but we cannot, we cannot deny who we are on the inside. And who we are on the inside is a missional people, an unstoppable missional people who will never stop inviting people to accept God's grace. That must be who we are. Uh, I'm just going to invite the band to to come up and and play something. And um, I wanted to to leave these these four points with you. Uh, I want to... I want to uh, just remind you about the poor. If, if God is putting the poor on your heart, then, then apply these bullet points to, to that. Or maybe they apply to evangelism. But which of these, which of these is, is the point that, that God is, is looking for you to respond about? Is it about being a friend to people? Is it about being yourself with the people you know? Is it about praying for breakthrough? Or is it about being faithful for the long haul? Now what I'm going to suggest is um, Esther's very kindly going to lead um, a worship song and what I would like us to do if it's okay with you is to, um, is to get together in, in groups of about five or six and just, just pray for each other about, about one of these points. Uh, ask each other, how can I pray for you? Which of these can I, can I pray for you about? We do need God to strengthen us. Thanks very much.